You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to episode 10 of the Hoops Fix podcast. We have finally reached double digits and we've got a good one for you today. Uh, the legend that is Junior Williams retired um, at the weekend. Uh, weekend. Last weekend has just gone. So I thought it would be the perfect moment to catch up with him for a chat about his career so far, um, you know what he's done, uh, what he's doing now, um, and he obviously, as you'd expect, had a, a number of amazing stories to share. So yeah, have a listen, uh, let me know what you think, as always, um, love your feedback, drop me an email, sam at hoopsfix.com, um, also we're always after the ratings on iTunes, uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, via iTunes, please log on there and give us feedback, give us a rating uh, and drop a comment because um, it will help us in the rankings which will allow this podcast to spread further and wider to more people which is obviously the whole point of doing it because I want people to be hearing it and I want to continue to share these British basketball stories. Uh, Junior Williams uh, has a great story um, so have a listen now and, and as always uh, let me know what you think. I'm honoured to be here with Junior Williams, British basketball legend, a successful career in the BBL, uh, the NBL, and obviously uh, now in the process of transitioning into uh, into coaching uh, a lot more as well. So, Junior, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sam, and thank you for having me. No problem. So, the reason that uh, for the timing of this call is uh, I saw that you announced your retirement uh, at the weekend. Um, how does it feel? Yeah, I mean, you know what? It was a, uh, it was just one of those things where I thought, you know what, that is my time is now. Uh, I, I'm gonna hang them up, you know, while I'm, I'm, kind of, uh, I'm able to walk and, and you know, still play a little bit. Uh, I'm just gonna just, you know, just hang them up. It wasn't supposed to be no big, you know, Michael Jordan type retirement thing, but <laughs> it seemed like, you know, I've been getting. No, to be fair, I've been getting a lot of, um, a lot of uh, nice emails and. Um, uh, phone calls, texts, and, and Facebook messages um, from friends and family as well. That so you know, just a big thank you to everybody that's that's done that. And um, you know, it's nice that you know people have actually kind of appreciated what you've done. And not that I've done a lot, you know, but pe- people have done appreciated what I've done. And um, even some of the younger people who I've you know coached and played against, they've even you know sent some nice messages as well. So it's good that you, or it's good that, to know that I've left. Um, uh, you know, an imprint or, you know, just something with, you know, some of the younger players or, or coaches that I've played for, played against. And, you know, it's just good to know that people remember you. It's, it's, it's a nice feeling. When you, uh, when you look back on your career now, uh, how, how, do you, how do you look back on it? How do you feel about it all? I, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with it. I, I, I don't think... Um, it's a tough one, you know... I, I don't. I don't know if if, if I say I, if I didn't maximize my potential, um, I always think I could have done more. And I always, if you look back, I, I always think I could have done better. Um, but I think I've done the best with what I had and and what I could do. I think I really, you know, gave it all I had. Um, and for that, I am I'm happy with 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 how everything's turned out. So you know, I can't complain. I can't. I've been blessed, and I, I can't complain. I can't complain. So let's let's rewind right to the beginning. Um, you know, how old were you when you first started playing, and what made you first pick up the basketball? Um, 
I've told this story quite a few times um, over the years. I always tell it to like some of my younger guys and, and just, you know, guys when we talk in general. Um, the first time I picked up a basketball, I was, I think I was nine. Okay. I was nine years old and um, we went to Mobley. I went to Queen's Park Primary School and um, it was actually me and Julius. We were in the same year and we went to Mobley Sports Centre and they had a camp going on. Or it wasn't even a camp. They brought us there every Monday for like three weeks. And we got coached by uh, a coach called Mookie. Um, I think Bob Overton was there. Okay. And uh, for guys who would know, Bobby O is, is a legend. And uh, the, the two guys that stood out for me was uh, Ronnie and Stedroy. So at nine years old, um, you know, we're getting coached, you know, just for an hour. It seemed like, it seemed like all day, but it was only an hour. And, um, you know, Ronnie and Stedroy were the two guys that I looked at and I was like, whoa, you know, they were doing simple stuff, figure of eight, bouncing the ball between their legs, you know, all these stuff. And I said, no, 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 I've got to learn how to do that. I've got to learn how to do that. And it wasn't nothing. I hadn't learned how to shoot or anything, but it was just about the mere fact of being able to spin the ball on my finger, dribble it between my legs, do a figure of eight and all that kind of basic fundamental stuff. I said, no, I need to learn how to do that. I need to learn how to do that. And was uh, that it for you from that point on? Yeah, that was it. Because I played, I, I was playing football a little bit. I was a good goalkeeper. Okay. Um, uh, played cricket a little bit. This is primary school, so we didn't really do that that much, you know, yeah. different sports. But you know, I played a bit. And then the next that summer, so I must have been, I must have been ten, because that next summer, um, we was going into secondary school, and I remember spending like all of the six weeks doing figure of eights. Um, dribbling between my legs, Spider-Man dribble, all kind. Of, I remember just doing all of that for the whole summer, and then by the time I got to um, first year, which is year seven now in secondary school, went Quinn and Keniston, um, you know, I found myself able to handle the ball just really, really well, and able to play with guys that were older um, and play better than guys that were in my own year. So I was kind of like a step ahead, basically. Um, and it, it just it just carried on from there. It just carried on from there. And I still continued to play football. I was really good at volleyball, uh, cricket, uh, hockey. I played everything. Um, and I was actually a brown belt in karate as well. Um, you know, before I, you know, I stopped. I, so I was like 11, 12, 12, 13. And I was a brown belt in karate. And I, I actually gave it up. I gave it up to play basketball. What was the, uh, what was the basketball landscape by back what was the landscape basket, uh, the basketball landscape back uh, like back then? Like, was it um, kind of was it very easy to, to get involved with the game? Was it on TV? Did you see it around a lot, or was it quite a sort of small marginalised sport? Yeah, it was. It was still pretty um, for me. You know, as a 12, 13 year old, it was small. Um, but when you did see it, it was on. In you know, it was like a big deal, and um, so probably you know, in terms of clubs. Um, I didn't know of any clubs. The only clubs that really kind of started to grow when I started playing um, were Westminster Warriors, which is right on my doorstep. So that was that was a no-brainer for me. I started going to their sessions. But the main big clubs back then were Brooks and Top Cats, uh, East London Royals, and you had Newham, Newham and Hackney, and they combined uh, together to make like London Towers a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, so those those were the main teams. Those were the main teams in London, and you know it was like if you could play for one of those teams, you've made it. 
you know, <laughs> you just made it already. Um, but then on TV, um, I never really watched it on TV, but I did go to the Royal Albert Hall, and this was another kind of um, imprint on my mind, going to the Royal Albert Hall, probably 13 years old, and going to watch it, it was a cup final. And I think um, Steve Bontrager was playing. Um, I can't remember the two teams. I think it was Portsmouth and somebody. Uh, and, and it was just mind-blowing to go to the Royal Albert Hall and actually watch these guys play basketball. Um, you know, a Macassar ball, if it, all the old school guys will know about a Macassar ball, which was a, it was a white and a, a brownie beige type ball. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And that, you know, that kept me going. And then later on, you got Alton Bird, on, who was um, doing the stuff on Channel 4 as well. So I think I was about, probably about 14, 15. And that stuff started to come on. And then, you know, the BBL would come on the BBC every now and then. That was, you know, that was a big deal. Yeah. That was a big deal. So what was your route like? So you started going to the, ses- the Westminster Sessions. And then yeah. uh, at what, what point did you start playing National League ball? Uh, I'm assuming that, was it straight into Brixton? No, no. I, I, I played uh, Westminster. So Westminster Warriors had um, it was they were just in a local local league. So yeah. what today's CBL, and um, so we played just local league. But we played against um, Hackney and Newham, which were the two teams that combined to make towers. And we played. I think I'm not sure. I think Brixton may have had a yeah. Brixton I think had a team. Um, I don't think any teams from East London, but there was like lots of teams, smaller teams. And I played there, and um, I actually went to another session in Kilburn. And uh, a young lady, she was young back then, uh, by the name of, um, oh, snap, oh, I can't remember her name. Oh, it'll come to me in a second. But she, she said to me, you know, I should go and try out for Brixton. I was pretty good. You know, go, go and try out for Brixton. So I was 15. And um, I went down there. Well, There's a couple of other guys who were older than me. Mantia Calendar being one. Yeah. Um, uh, che Porteous, Jimmy Markham. There's a couple of other guys who were older who who'd all gone through Brixton at some point. And um, I went and tried out for the junior team. And uh, I was 15 or 16, and I, and I, and I made it. I made the team. Um, what age group was that? That was under, so it was under 19s back then. Okay. It was under 19s back then, and I, I was 16. And uh, I made the team. I made the team. The starting point guard that year was um, Paul Monday Castle, or Cherry. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, guys like Eddie Owusu, uh, who else was on that? Oh, uh, Carl White, Carlos White. Uh, you know, uh, a quite guy called Kwame Springer. And these were, these were like legitimate ball players for under 19s. And I was on the same team as them. It was unbelievable. We got a pair of Air Jordans. Oh man, it was it was the best feeling in the world. So was it uh, was it a case of you know you had to wait your time before you could play? Were you playing up behind guys, or was it? Yeah, I mean, of- I mean, we that, that that team that year was really good. So. You know, I think the coach at the time was uh, Coach Paul Ambrosius. I think he, you know, I, I would like to say he, he saw something in me that, you know, he could nurture and coach and, and, and be that next guy after, you know, Cherry left that I could step into his place. Um, you know, Cherry and those guys were really good and they were blowing teams out. So I was getting time. Uh, you, know, I was getting, you know, I was getting playing time. And it was me and a couple of other younger guys as well that made the team that year. Um, you know, we, and I was getting time, I was getting time, you know, I was, I was probably the second youngest on that squad, so, you know, we was, we was getting some time, we was getting some time, but then when they left the next year, that's when, you know, it was like, okay, 
okay, it's our team now, you know, it's our team. Yeah. So we kind of took over. We we took over and and we we held the held the reins. So it was good. It was good. Was it was it always uh, for you? Was it always a case of I'm a point guard? That's what I am. I want to I want to run the team, be a distributor, or did that sort of come as you progressed in the game? Um, I I learnt it. I learnt it. Um, I didn't quite understand. I think at fifteen, sixteen, quite understand. Mm, I'm not sure if I quite understood it, but I was doing it because I was doing what the other guys were doing. Yeah. So I, I was watching, you know, guys like um, Paul Monday Castle, um, guys like, uh, you know, Sam Biru, Spencer Wood. These were guys who were slightly older and playing for Brixton men's at the time. Um, I was watching these guys and how they were small, like I was small, but they were the ones who were in charge on the floor you know, shouting at the older guys, the bigger guys, the taller guys, and, you know, conferring with the coach and, and calling the plays. And uh, I think for me, that's, I just copied what they did. You know, it was, it was that type of family environment. It was, you know, you're the little brother or you're the, you're the son. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, just, just watch what they do. Just do what you do, what they do, and you'll be all right. Um, so you kind of learn it. You learn it as you go along. But there, there were some... Um, there were some things that I definitely learned, I had to learn, and I learned later on in life when I got to like 20, 21, I had, I had to learn. Um, I picked up, we'll probably discuss that, I'll, we'll come back to that, Yeah. Uh, go on, but yeah. The overall state of junior basketball back then, how, how would you describe it? Who were the, kind of the standout guys in your generation and around that time were the, the sort of the top guys that everyone was gunning for? I'm assuming Drew Sullivan was around and, and whoever else. Drew, Drew Sullivan was, um, he was a lot younger, Drew Sullivan was um, probably about Four, about four years younger than me. Okay. So he wasn't he wasn't around. He wasn't around. He was he was just after I'd finished, or maybe just as I was finishing. You know, he was like fourteen, fifteen, or fifteen, sixteen, and he he was starting to tear it up. But he yeah. wasn't. You know, he wasn't the Drew Sullivan that we we know and you know know and love now. But um, who back were the then, guys? The guys, man, there were so many. But he, I'm, and I'm talking about these guys could play. They could really play. So I don't want to miss out anybody, but. Guys that stood out for me, uh, and I'll go through guys that I can remember. Um, some, there's a guy called Paul Edwards, um, for example. He played for Towers. Um, really, really good shooter. He was one of the th- one of the players that Coach Paul Ambrose just said to me, look, this guy can really shoot. So if you're guarding him, you can't leave him alone. You know, lo and behold, you put your hands down, he scores a three. You sit on the bench again, you know. Yeah. So he's one of the guys I remember. Um, uh, Steve Ogan Jimmy, great defender back then. Um, offensively, uh, Marvin Alakatan is a name that most of the older guys remember. He was probably the best um, junior player at the time. Uh, oh gosh, uh, just as I said before, Cherry Paul Monday Castle. He was, uh, you know, great point guard. Um, oh man, there's so many more. Martin uh, Martin Godfrey, another great junior. He was like an unbelievable Grant Hill type player as a junior. Like absolutely unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Um, who am I missing? Uh, Barry Gooch. Uh, Barry Gooch is uh, another point guard from East London. Who I, I've got. I, I blatantly stole one of his moves, and I've been using it. And you probably know what I'm talking about. That the hesitation. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> you know, he killed that. You couldn't stop him as a junior. And that's you know one of the one of the things that I stole from him. Uh, there's there's so many. There's so many. There's so many. There's so many. If you if, when you look back, uh, you know, at junior basketball then, and you compare it to today, obviously you're involved with the game and. Yeah. See a lot of junior basketball. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, 
Well, how, how would you compare the two? Doesn't compare. Doesn't compare. Really? Doesn't compare. Yeah, the players back then, not only were they uh, just as athletic, um, but the IQ was on a different level. The IQ was on a different level. Guys' IQ was was there. And, um, you know, guys weren't, you know, obviously there's always going to be guys that are selfish, um, but guys weren't as selfish. You know, guys were always looking to... to, to to make their teammates better. Um, and if they could go, they could go. If they, if they you know, if, if, and if somebody saw, look, yo, he can take him one-on-one, take him one-on-one. There's no, you know, there was no beef like that, you know. Um, but guys were, and guys were winners. Guys were winners back then. Guys were hungry and they, and they were winners. Why do you they think were, it's so different today? I just think because there's, as I said before, there was only, you know, three or four major teams in London, um, you know, and, and, Everybody else was trying to get into those teams. And now, I can't remember how many different, you know, junior teams there are. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that now there's like, you know, let's say 10 or 12, uh, about 10 teams in London. Yeah, the talent's uh, diluted, right? It's, it's diluted. And I think, you know, from a coaching standpoint, also, you know, we had great coaches. I mean, the four teams that we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, you had Joe White, um, you had Tony Garbletto as well because he was part of that program with Hackney and Newham. Yeah. Um, you had Jimmy Rogers. Uh, sorry, well, Jimmy Rogers did coach juniors as well, but it was Paul Ambrosius at the time and uh, Hump Long and, and his coaching staff in East London. And you had Steve Alexander who was coming up as well. He started Westminster Warriors. But those those kind of four or five guys, that, that those were the main coaches in London. Those, those were the main guys. Um, so you didn't really have you didn't really have much of a choice. You, if you lived in East, well, I can't even say that because I lived in West and I went to South. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, if you lived in East, you went to East London Club. Uh, if you went to South, if you lived in South, you went to a South London, or you went to the closest club to you. Yeah, you know, or a club that would have you, or, or whatever it might be. So there was, a, you know, but I'm not saying that now we've got more teams that it's not a good thing. I just think from a coaching standpoint, the coaching is not where it was back then. Yeah. You know, got a lot of players coming through, but I just don't think the coaching is is where it, where it was back then. The uh <clears throat> I mean, so your your personal progression, so you you were 15, 16, and 16 was when you took over the reins and after after Cherry left. And then yeah. kind of what happened from there? Um so stayed at Brixton, stayed at Brixton for uh another 2-3 years. Um you know, we had we had a lot of good players coming through and, and that I played with. Uh, were you winning? We were winning, yeah. I don't think we won. I think we won one um, championship. We won one championship. And I remember one year we got to a, a final against Towers. I think it was a final against Towers at Crystal Palace. And the night before, so that was a Saturday, the night before I'm scrimmaging at Mobley and um, I kicked the back of someone's heel and smashed up my toe. And it was like, what what the hell just happened there? Like, I can't, I'm not even going to be able to play tomorrow. Yeah. So I remember Ambo was, he wasn't even, he, he was mad, but he just didn't even say, he just didn't acknowledge me, didn't say anything to me, just kind of just, just like, you just you just lost us a championship right there. Um, so, and I remember I came on with like a couple minutes to go, we were down, and I hit like three threes on one leg and, you know, stuff like oh, that. Was, it, was, still, was this the game when you had like eight points in 12 seconds and you sent it to OT and everything else? No, no, I don't even remember that one. I don't even remember that one. Where did you get that story from? Jackson. 
Oh, oh no, that was another game. That, that was, was another game. That was a different oh, that one. was a good game. Oh, that was a good game. That was against Towers as well. Oh, that was a good game. Okay, so, recap this story with the, with the toe first, and then we'll, we'll so, go on to that. So, one. I mean, basically, you know, we lost the game. We lost the game. I, you know, and it was um, that was just one of the one of the championship finals that we had played in that year. I don't think we had won any more. I don't think we. I think we won one more championship, and that was it. And I remember losing to like a team called Barrow. Um, in like a semi-final of a playoffs and you know stuff like missing a free throw at the end not me somebody else <laughs> I've, done, I've, I've only I've done my fair share of missing free throws um, but um, yeah I mean you know that junior career was was fantastic and we had so many good players that came through Kojo Mensah Bonsu Eugene Barr Wayne Henry Dean uh, Williams Marvin Ambrose it's Marvin Addy Sean Gray these guys were coming up behind us would, uh, would you say that it was like, what was the actual uh, kind of British basketball culture like back then? Was it, I mean, was it still um, like very much American focused? Did people want to get out of the country as soon as possible, or was there much more of a kind of UK type nah, feel? Every, no, everyone, anybody that was good, like really good, um, you know, everybody was expecting them, or people was pushing for them to go out to the states. Yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 you know, a lot of the, not a lot of guys got that opportunity. Um, you know, a few did. Um, you know, and some you know went and it wasn't the right situation, and they ended up coming back. And I saw all this. I kind of you know, I I didn't get a chance to go out to the states until a bit later. So at eighteen, nineteen, I finished my last um, under eighteen's uh, my under eighteen's career or under nineteen's career, and I played a year at Crystal Palace. So I went straight from under-19s to play in BBL, which was called the Carlsberg League, I think, or the Budweiser League back then. Right. And I played, I played a year there, and I was still trying to get out to the States. I had a, a look at a Division Two school in Philadelphia after going to an ACC camp in, in, in uh, New Jersey. That didn't work out. I had um, another look um, for a, a prep school. You know, that didn't work out. So it was like three years in a row where it was like nothing was working for me. Um, so I end up playing BBL or Budweiser League yeah. for Crystal Palace. And lucky, well, I say lucky, the point guard that was supposed to come in, he got, he got halted. So he couldn't come in until you know, a month or two into the season. So I end up starting you know, the season, my first professional season, you know, 19 years old with Crystal Palace. And I end up starting you know, the first like eight or nine, ten games. Wow. And I think that really kind of... There was no fear in me because I was just playing basketball. I didn't, I didn't know what the, B- the BBL was really about. I did see Towers play and all that. But I, I just went and I was just playing basketball. So, you Were know, you playing was... in front of big crowds then? Yeah, yeah. Crystal Palace, we, we had a really good crowd at Crystal Palace. We had a really good crowd at Crystal Palace because the, there was a women's team and they had a good following. You know, people from Brixton, Top Cats would then come up and, and watch uh, you know, and then I had friends that were from West London. They'd come and watch. You know, juniors playing Budweiser League. You know, yeah. and I had all the older guys who had supported me. All the coaches, you know, guys would come. You know, come and watch and support the game. So, you know, uh, you know that was a really good year for me. Um, you know, playing playing wise, I got I got a lot of good playing time. Played with a lot of uh, some decent Americans and kind of got to understand uh, understand the professional game. Um, you know, so were you on a pro contract then? Uh, it can't hurt me now. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was. I was on a pro contract, and I, I was getting paid. Um, 
and you know obviously um you know guys can't do that now they can't yeah. they can do that now um you know i was playing for palace that was what 98 99 um you know so the the kind of ncaa ruling i had no no, no knowledge about then yeah um and i don't think you know i'd, I'd actually put all of that going to america on hold at that age 19 20 i'd say like, no i'm not going to america anymore it's not going to happen for me so you know let me go back to studying and you know work on playing ball here and see how that works out i was going to just focus on studies so what were you at university and what were you doing no i was at college i was just at college um i was at hammersmith and west london college okay. um doing a sports and science um degree um i yeah i stayed there for two years um and i was doing playing at palace at the same time and then actually, I went to um, did a year with Towers. Did you do a year with Towers? Yeah, yeah. So I did a year, year with Palace, and then the next year they merged with Towers, and then it was only me and Wayne Henry, I think, were the only two players from Palace who got picked up on the Towers team. Um, so that was another, you know, that was another good thing because they had a lot of, you know, they could have chosen, you know, many other players. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I got to play with, um, you know, legend. Danny Lewis, yeah. uh, um, you know, he was a great, great, great player, um, you know, great teammate, uh, helped me out. He wasn't, you know, where some guys could be just big-headed and, you know, just see this, like, young upstart coming and just not really want to help him. He was he was a fantastic help. Um, we had other guys as well. We had a, another veteran point guard called Paul Bale, a uh, Canadian guy. Uh, he, was, he was really, really good. He was, he was a fantastic player, another one that helped me. And just by watching him helped me, um, you know, and I, and I, I, I played some minutes, you know, I played, I play, you know, playing behind Danny Lewis, who's going to play, you know, f- down near the whole game. Yeah. You know, I actually logged up some minutes, you know, and I actually did some good stuff. And the coaches, well, Lino Fratin, who's from Treviso, you know, he, I think he used me in the right way. He used me, you know, I'd pick up guys 94 feet, you know, yeah. just cause some havoc, you know, just young, young legs, just go out there, pick up 94 feet. Uh, you know, initiate the offense. If if I got open three, I'm gonna take open three. The year I was at Crystal Palace, I was the second second highest um, in percentage uh, in the league. Nice. So you know, it was you know something I could do. So I was like, you know what? Let me do exactly what the coaches are saying. Don't argue back. Don't, <laughs> don't yeah. cause no fuss, no fight. Just do exactly what they're doing, and you know you'll find your minutes. Was that the year that Towers won a championship? Yeah, that's the year 99-2000. Uh, that's the year we won a championship. Did you, do, did you compete in Europe as well with them? No, we went, out, we went out to Europe and played some games. Right. Uh, um, but we didn't. The year after, they, they competed in the... Uh, I think it was the Korak Cup, I think, the year after. Okay. Year after. So, obviously, you're kind of, what, nineteen twenty at this point? Uh, so yeah, 21, I think. 21. 21. Yeah, twenty one. So then, how does the how does the move to the states come come around? So in the summer, um, I was playing for playing for Towers against uh, Weber State from Utah. So they come over, and you know there was teams that came up. So uh, I think the year before, I think maybe Duke or Duke came over. I think yeah, I remember before. when some big team came over. Yeah, yeah. So that was the thing that was happening at the time. So you know, uh, Weber State came over. Uh, and we played against them, and um, you know they, they had a guy, and I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he was like projected to go, 
um, in the you know the first round of the NBA draft the next year. Yeah, and he he was like a three. He was like a three. I can't remember his name. He was like a three. But they had some good players on their team. They had, you know, some really good point guards and stuff. And I did well. I did well. I think I scored. Um, I think I scored something like fourteen and fourteen and seven. Yeah. Um, and my brother actually recorded the game. And um, after that game, the coach was like, you know, I think you're really good. You know, let's stay in contact. You know, I think we can we can try and work something out for you. I'm thinking, whoa, like I'm 21, like you know, yeah. the people like, no, you're too old, you can't play Division One, da, da 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 da. So I'm like, oh, okay, maybe the coach is just talking. You know, the coach is talking to me later on. He was like, okay, we'll try and get you to a JUCO. And then you can transfer over. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, so this really might be happening. Then later on that summer, um, two guys, one was uh, Malcolm Leake, yeah. uh, who was playing on that Towers team with me, um, you know, who's another guy who really helped me out throughout that year, you know, taking extra shots after practice, before practice, weight room, you know, talking to me about the game, working out, and so on and so forth. He contacted uh, a coach in Oklahoma, and another guy called Dal Reshaw, who later became my agent, he actually he helped me to go to to um, to get to a European team actually the summer before. But he actually spoke to the same coach. So it was two guys individually speaking to the same coach. And the coach contacted me. It was at NIA Division One School, Oklahoma City University. Contacted me. It was like, um, you know, we'd, we'd like to offer you a scholarship, um, but you know, let's see some some game tape. You know, I've got references, but can can we see a game tape? So I sent this game tape over, and he was like, yeah, for sure, definitely, 100%. We can offer you a four-year scholarship. And can we also take that other guy on the tape? I'm like, which other guy? So he was talking about um, Jonathan Lavinia, who also uh, came. He was back in the summer because he was in high school, and he came back and you know was playing in that game also. He had a good game. Um, so, yeah, we end up, both of us, me and Jonathan, end up going to Oklahoma City. The reason I didn't go to... Um, you know, Utah or go to the JUCO to go to transfer was simply, I was thinking from an academic standpoint, I want to be somewhere where I don't have to worry about transferring. I don't have to worry about who they may bring in. I don't have to worry about NCA regulations because I've been playing professionally. Yeah. I just want to go somewhere where I can play straight away uh, and I can get my degree. That was the, like the most important thing for me in my mind. Can I get my degree there? Yep. Okay. Bam. And uh, yeah, I thought about it for a while, talked to a couple of people, the older guys, and um, you know, and I came up with the decision, and I said, "Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Oklahoma. That's where I'm gonna go." And so, how did you, how did you find that? Do you remember like what it was like when you first went out to the states? Yeah, I mean, I did, I did my research. Um, I remember that. So that was, um, that was 2000, and uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about you know not having uh, internet access and having to go to that like the internet cafes and, and you yeah. know. Uh, you know, trying to do some research on it. And I remember looking around the campus because it had this, um, the bird's eye view type thing where you can, you know, look around the campus and it didn't look too bad. It looked pretty good. And, you know, I was happy to go. I just wanted to go. You know, I was like, you know, I've had so many failed opportunities in the past. You know, I just want to go. I want to get out there. and I, I want to play ball out there. This is what I want to do. Um, and I remember getting off the plane and it being real hot and then, uh, meeting with uh, our assistant coach Todd, and uh, you know, driving out the airport, and then when you got out the airport, it was like just, it was like nothing. It was just nothing for ages, and I'm like, 
Oh, snap. Well, I let myself in for... <laughs> but then slowly, you know, you get in... We were in the city, so, you know, slowly as you drive closer, you're seeing, you know, the, the skyscrapers and high-rises and, you know, uh, everything started to come to life a little bit more. So we wasn't out in the country. Um, so, no, it, it, was, it, was, it was good. And, you know, they all made me feel welcome. Um, you know, had the greatest teammates ever. Um, coaching staff was fantastic as well. So, yeah, I mean, those four years, absolutely, like, the best time of my life. Like, and I always say, if I could do it again, I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat. Like, if, they, if I could go back, I would absolutely do it again. There's, like, no shadow of a doubt I'd do it again. What, how did you find the level of competition on the floor? Was there, a, was there a transition between sort of going against UK competition and then going against American competition? Well, I, I remember I'd been going back and forth to the States to camps for the last, since I was probably 17. Okay. So I knew what the guys, and it, but it was slightly different because playing in New York is slightly different. Playing in New York and the East Coast is slightly different to playing in Oklahoma. It's slightly different. Yeah. Um, so when I got out there, luckily, you know, I had kept myself in really good shape. I had been, um, you know, working out, lifting weights, uh, and just, you know, I'd played two years professionally. So, you know, it shouldn't have been that much of a, of a transition. So when I get out there and I fought, get into my first scrimmage, you know, we're playing with guys from who are playing NCAA Division One at OU and OSU. They used to come down in the summer and scrimmage. Now going against these guys, now that was that was real. There was these guys were real. They were they were physical. They were quick, and they were really really uh, athletic. So you had to step your game up. But once again, as I said, you playing you know uh, two years professionally, you've kind of got that composure and. You know, you, you've got a little bit of strength behind you. So I was able to hold my own against those guys. And so that was, that, was, that was a good feeling. And then going into, like, the first couple of the games of, the, of, our, of our season, you know, I think the first game I had 17. So I, I was really, really comfortable. And the coaches, you know, to go in and start as well, and the coaches to give you confidence to say, look, you're going to be starting. So, you know, you need to just, you know, take care of this team. So, you know, it was... Um, it was a really good. It was a really good. Um, it was a really good feeling. And you won as well, right? So you had like three conference championships in the four years there. Yeah, yeah, we had three conference championships, three conference championships, and um, I think our first year was 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 uh, we got to the final fours. Um, you know, we played against some really really good teams, you know, really good teams. Uh, I remember a team called Life um, from Atlanta won the whole thing. And earlier that year, we had gone down to play them at their place and we had beaten them. So we were waiting to play them in the finals and we didn't make it. We didn't make it. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, that was... Um, and was Jonathan yeah, Lavinia yeah. with you there the whole time? Yeah, Jonathan, that was my, that was my, my brother, for, well, my yeah. brother for, from, from the, the time we both got there. I mean, we'd known each other before, before we got there, but, um, you know, we, we had such a, a good time, such a good friendship uh, was, was, was built of those four years is, is, is unbelievable, unbelievable. So around this time was what, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003 time? Yeah, 2003. Right? So I graduated 2003 um, and, uh, you know, I had, had an agent, Dal Rishaw was my agent and uh, we was looking at, you know, different opportunities whether to, to go to Europe because I had did a, a, a stint in Austria um, before I went to Towers. I did a stint in Austria and I got cut. And, and this is one of the, the, the life learning lessons for me because they cut me because 
um, not because of my skill, not because of my attitude, um, because they were playing in the Korak Cup, which was like the, I think was the Korak Cup, I believe was kind of like similar to like the Euro League now. Okay. And they were just like, look, we need, this, we need somebody who's going to be a leader. We need a leader. You know, I was um, 20 and it goes, look, we need a leader. We need somebody that's going to lead this team. And um, I remember doing a workout for the coach and, you know, he's telling me, you know, all right, you're going to shoot a three-pointer from here, 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 here. And I was hitting, 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 hitting everything. Then he was like off the dribble, hitting everything. Okay, step back, whatever. I, was hit, I didn't miss. I was like hitting everything. We go into a scrimmage. I'm balling out. We had to go and run the track. We had to run five miles. We had to do this. I'm killing. I'm doing everything that's needed to be done for him to then turn around and say to me, you know, you're just not what we're looking for. I need somebody that's going to leave my team. I was like, wow, really? Like, seriously? But, you know, that, for me, that was um, the biggest and the best lesson I ever learned because then that helped me the next couple of years, you know, going to play for Towers and then going to, to Oklahoma and having to lead a team and all the other things that I've done as well. So it was... Um, how do you, yeah. you know, how do you... Uh... How do you work on your leadership? Obviously, you know, if someone says to you, oh, you can't handle the ball very well, you can go out there and you can dribble the ball over and over again. If someone says to you, you need mm. to be a leader, what do you do to go and, you know, if any young point guard this this and, and needs to be a better floor general, what can they do to become a better leader? I mean, it's just like anything. It's, it, 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 it's practice. Um, and you just have to do it. You just, you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, tell a couple of my young players that, you know, it's not necessarily about, you know, you have to be the coach on the floor. So the way that you hear your coach, you know, yelling and demanding your players or the players to do or execute a drill or execute a play or to play defense, that's what you have to do as well as the floor general, as the, the captain, as the point guard. That's what you have to do. You have to get everybody playing at a high level. Not only do you have to do that, and this is why the point guard position is the hardest job. Not only do you have to do that, but you have to then not only tell them to do it, but you have to also do it as well because you can't tell somebody to do something and then you not do it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you have, to, you have to be able to tell people what to do and also you have to be able to do it also. Now, if you are not the greatest scorer, I've seen a lot of players, point guards, that are not great scorers but are great leaders. You know, you have to be able to you know, make your teammates better. You know, whether it's be, you know, talking to them, find out where they like to shoot from, find out um, you know, are you going to pick and roll this time? Are you going to pick and pop this time? Um, you know, this time, run run as hard as you can this time. I'm going to throw it over the top. As soon as you get that rebound, get it to me. You have to just keep talking, talking, talking. It's all about communication at the end of the day. Yeah. You have to learn how to communicate with players, find out what they like. A quick story, me and a friend of mine, and it's, I've done this with quite a lot of players, and I, I think it's subconscious. It's, it's not something that I, I planned. But a lot of players that I've played with, the, the good players, not the good players, but the players that I've had a good rapport with, we've always gone and shot together. We've gone and practiced together. We've um, done pick and roll, just, you know, dry pick and roll, no defense, just pick and rolls. You know, stuff like throwing the ball, you know, on a fast break, throwing the ball off the backboard and then your teammate coming along and dunking it. You know, yeah. kids can't do that now because they don't practice it. They just think, you know, I can see it. I'm seeing it on TV that you can just do it. No, you have to practice it. Yeah. So, you know, guys like, um, you know, guys you'd never heard of, um, a guy called um, James Perkins. Me and him used to practice all the time, all the time, pick and rolls, uh, pick and pops, um, throwing it off the backboard, transition over the top, 
we used to call it pro layup, over the top. You know, things like, we used to do it all the time. We used to just imagine that, you know, people regarding us, how they were regarding us, and how you, you know, how you're going to react. Wayne Henry was another one. Namo Shuri was another one. Uh, Mante Callender was another one. These are guys that I had played with, that we had a good rapport, we had good relationship on, on the floor. Um, and so you get to read what they like. Now, you're doing that with one player, but imagine you're doing that with the four other players on the floor, or you're doing that with the, the nine or 11 other players on your team. Now you're becoming a real floor general, you're becoming a real leader, and you're understanding how to play the game. So you graduated, and it was time to look for a pro deal. Yep. Uh, how did that play out? Um, yeah, it was. It, I remember it was quite a long wait. It was like um, I was going to my agent's house. You know, we're we're going over game tape. We're sending game tape out, and you know, he said, "Okay, we might be able to get you back to Austria." You know, um, this time I'm what twenty five. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a vet now, <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm, I'm proven now. I've got the leadership. So, okay, we can get you back to Austria. Uh, we can go to France, maybe division two, you know, um, I think a couple of Spanish teams, you know, here, there, but you know, the money just, the money wasn't great and there was nothing concrete, you know, and that's yeah. what we were just waiting on. Just like things that were concrete, you know, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, clearing stats, you know, it was, um, you know, I can't even remember what I think. Uh, I can't even remember what I averaged, but it was, it was single digits. Um, so it wasn't like I was averaging a double double, you know, you know, eighteen and, and nine or something like that. You know, it was kind of mild stats. So, you know, we're still waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. Summer's coming up, and we're still waiting. I'm playing, 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 and then we get a call from um, the Rocks, and um, they wanted to offer me a deal. And, um, you know, the money was, was fantastic. I was like, oh, yes. So, you know, we slapped it up in a heartbeat. And, um, you know, that was, uh, that was uh, but, you know, besides playing at the Palace and Towers, um, I, for me, that was another great team to play. And I had great teammates in uh, Mike Martin, uh, Jerry Williams, and uh, Terence McGee, uh, David Cruz, uh, and the Scottish guys are up there, Bunyan and and and, and uh, the other guys. You know, it, it was fantastic. It was it was great playing. A great team, great coach. Um, so we had we did we did really well. We got to I think we finished third or fourth. I can't even remember. Uh, um, and then we made a finals, a cup final in in uh, Birmingham. I think it was. We lost in the final. I think to Sheffield, who were like you know winning everything at that point as well. So we, we had a good run. We had a good run, and that was um, a really good year. That was a really good year. Really I guess really for good. you, the, the transition to being a pro wasn't so much of a transition because uh, you'd obviously already done it before you left and yeah, you were obviously a bit older yeah. as well. Right, right, right. I had my feet wet. and um, But, you know, for me, um, one of the most important things for me is that you're just always learning. There was never a point where, and even now when I'm playing, I, I, you know, I don't think that I, I know it all and I don't think I can not learn anything. I'm always trying to learn something. So that mentality for me um, it meant that, you know, everything was still fresh and everything was still enjoyable because we're still learning. Um, but one of the things I think for me that I took from that year especially was um, just kind of like how to keep your body in shape. I suffered a, a knee injury earlier in that year. So I didn't play for a month or two. And then um, Mike Martin joined the team. And uh, as you can know, Mike, Mike loves the gym. 
Yeah. And as as did as did all of the guys on our team. Oh, Philip Perry was on our team as well. Okay. Uh, but me, Mike, Jerry, Terence, uh, we lived in the we lived in the weight room. We lived in the we was in there like every day. And I'm not saying we we're in there lifting heavy weights every day. Well, Mike was, but we were <laughs> we were in there every single day, every day, day before game, day after game. We were in the weight room, and that was for me. That was another kind of uh, you know, learning experience of you know getting your teammates to everyone to buy in. You know, you need, you know, you need everyone to say, yo, let, let's go. We're going to the weight room. Let's go. Nobody's, nobody's not going. We're all going, yeah. you know, and that's what made us really, really close. Uh, made us really close as a team. So how long did you stay in? Was that just one season there? Yeah. So I did, I did one season at the Rocks and um, by this time I, I had a, a baby girl. So I did one season at the Rocks and, um, you know, I, I, although the money was good, the money was good, um, I had another offer to come back to London and uh, for a job. So I said, you know what? You mean a non-basketball job? Non-basketball job, yeah. It was a career development job okay. for young people. So I said, you know what? This is, I'm 27 um, and I'm thinking now, okay, I can get my foot in the door at a job at a good level. Maybe this could something I can, I can work, work towards because I knew the next year that I didn't think the money was going to be as good. Um, as you know, like the, the the money from when it was the Budweiser League, Carlsberg yeah. League, Budweiser League, the money just kept on getting lower and lower and lower and lower each year. Yeah. Um, so I managed to get this job and also play with London United. Now, London United wasn't London United that you know. It was a Division One team, London United. Right. Um, so I was getting a little bit of money there as well. So you know that the, the two of those combined meant. You know, things were, were was pretty decent for me, and I was at home with my 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 fiance and uh, my daughter as well. So, you know, I thought that you know, for me, I thought that was the right decision just to move back home, closer to home. You know, not taking I, I was I wasn't necessarily taking a year out, but I was just seeing what kind of opportunities I had from an employment standpoint moving forward because uh, I thought that was to me that was quite important uh, to, to moving forward with my life. You know, basketball is not going to be there forever. You're not going to be playing basketball forever. So you kind of need something. And to use my degree to fall back on, I thought that was a good opportunity for me to, to step into. How much did uh, having your first child change your outlook on things? Um, Do you think that played a role in, in getting a job? Job? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it did. Because if, if, if I didn't, if I didn't have a child at the time, I definitely I would have I gone to Europe. I would have gone to Europe. Or I would have, um, I would have maybe gone back to the rocks, or you know, I would have found another BBL team, and you know, and I would have been satisfied playing for for less money because you know the sponsorships that was going around was 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 not as good as it was you know back at the Crystal Palace or the Towers days. So you know, you I would have been playing for less money, um, but I think I'm always thinking, trying trying to think ahead, trying to think ahead, trying to think ahead. Yeah. But I think I probably, I think I probably would have. Um, I think I would have tried my luck going to Europe, uh, you know, and, you know, see what happens there. You've got, you've got loads of guys now that are, you know, just, you know, bouncing from team to team in Europe and, you know, having a great time and, yeah. uh, you know, not necessarily making a great deal of money, but that just like how I said I would, uh, I would go back and play four years in Oklahoma again, yeah. I'm guessing those guys that are, you know, going and playing in Europe and, you know, seeing the world and doing all this, they're like, whoa, when, they, when it's all said and done, they're going to be like, man, 
I've just had a great basketball year, career, you know, playing in, in and around Europe. So yeah. I probably would have done the same. So what was uh, so London United? Who was coaching them back then? Um, Jack Mieski was coaching oh, was them. Jack. So that, yeah, yeah, Uncle Jack. Um, <laughs> and then um, the following year, um, oh, what did I do the following? Yeah, the following year, I think I went to Milton Keynes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've got on my timeline. Yeah, I, I went to Morton Keynes the following year. So obviously, I think I still, yeah, I still had my job. Um, but then went to went to Milton Keynes a little bit more money. So you know, still that thinking was back in the BBL, right? That was back in the BBL, um, and I was playing for Nigel Lloyd. Okay. Um, you know, and that was another, you know, another good year. Um, you know, just playing in the BBL and and you know. Uh, catching up with guys who, who uh, I hadn't seen for a long time and competing and, you know, still learning, still learning from Nigel, still learning, still learning, still learning. Yeah. Um, so we didn't, do, we didn't do fantastic, but, you know, it was another, another, another good year. And I think the following year, I went to, we had London United, which was the, uh, maybe it was the year before. I can't remember. You need to check because <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I think it might have been the year after we had London United, which played in the BBL. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I think that is the year before, um, and that was with Tony Garbletto, okay. and um, that was another, you know, another good year. We had some good, good pros on our team. Um, Brian Feggins, a uh, guy called Oh God, what was his name? Can't remember his name. My brain's gone. Uh, Chris Haslam was on my team. Oh, okay, another okay. another great guy. Uh, you know, to to uh, you know who 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 was a veteran. You know, veteran England. Uh, played for England, point uh, point guard, fight, uh, big man center. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he he was a good help. And uh, Perry Perry Lawson was a younger younger Perry Lawson was coming up them times as well. Um, yeah, we had some good players on our team. We had some good players. We had some good players. And so then was it after this that uh, there was the whole Westminster Warriors thing? Yes, yes, I believe so. So, so I, tell, I tell me about that. that because I remember what, this is when I was growing up. And I remember a friend saying to me, oh, have you heard about this Westminster Warriors thing? There's like basically a group of guys that are much better than Division 4 that have all come together to try and get promotion mm. and, and are just dominating. So tell me how it played out in kind of your memories of it all. Okay, so uh, Westminster Warriors men's program um, originally was, was a Division 1 Division one team. And I had um, played with them back in the day um, in between playing with all those other teams. I'd, I played with them and um, myself, Namo, um, Che Porteous, uh, Steve Crosdale, you know, lots of the guys that you wouldn't remember, but uh, Julius, Julius played with us as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, we were a team that, from back then, we all played local league, and then, you know, we just took the team up into Division One, and um, for whatever reason, I can't remember, the team, just the, the men's team just, you know, it fell off and there was no men's team. And um, to get back into it, we had to start from Division 4. Now, you know, Westminster Warriors being, being uh, the first ever club that I played for, you know, I've got a, a lot of time for Steve Alexander, a lot of loyalty to that club. Um, I said, you know what, I'm t by this time I'm, what, 28, 29? I'm thinking... Let me, you know, got a job. Let me, let me, I want to get this team back to Division One. Yeah. I said, give me, give me, give me three years. Give me three, four years. I'll get this team back to Division One. So first year, Division Four. We had, you know, we, we didn't have, at the time, it was like myself, Marvin Addy, Jack Gibbons, 
think we were like the three, you know, um, senior players on the team. Yeah. Uh, I might be missing a couple of guys. Jermaine Purcell, maybe, I can't remember. Uh, and then we had a bunch of younger guys. Um, Biscuit, Adam Lovelock, yeah. uh, uh, Warren Adams, Slipper. Um, I might be missing a few. Even Luke Baker, um, he joined us at the end of the very first, that first year. Um, and then we, we won Division 4. Uh, went to Division Three. We won Division Three. Went to Division Two, and um, we slipped up. And we finished second Division Two, so we couldn't go up that year. I think Derby finished it, beat us out, and then the next year we won Division Two, and then ended up in Division One. And, and then I said, you know, job's done. <laughs> job's done. Job's done. That was that was it. That was it. And then you know, throughout those years, we had a lot of other guys came through. Michael Demusu, Julius Joseph played with us one year. I think to help us get promotion, Julius Joseph, Steve Veer. Oh, that was, that was a great team. Yeah. That was a great team. That was a great team. Would you, would you say that it was kind of like, it was almost like going back to the early days of playing for no money, just playing for the love of the game? Playing for the love of the game, exactly, exactly. Nobody was getting paid. Um, everybody showed up to practice and everybody showed up to practice on time. Guys were shooting before practice, shooting after practice. Guys were in the weight room. And these are guys, this is Division 1, not getting paid a dime. Yeah. You know? Uh, but it was for the love of the game. Nobody wanted to lose. It's that kind of old school mentality of, you know, you, you don't want to lose. Yeah. You know, you're playing to win. There's no if, buts, or maybes. You're not making any excuses. You're just playing. You're out there playing to win. And you were uh, player coach the whole time? I was player coach the whole time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then after yeah. you got to Division 1, what did you do then? Did you step uh, away or did you stay there for a while? Or? No, what did I, 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 man, I can't even remember. What did I do? Uh, so we got to Division 1. What did I do? <laughs> I can't even remember. I think I, I, think I, I, I took a year out. And, uh, oh, yeah, Matt Collins. Matt Collins was an assistant coach um, for the, the last year. And then he took over. I think I'd, I'd, I'd kind of not burnt out, but I just felt like I just needed to just take a step. And uh, Matt Collins, yeah, Matt Collins came in and t- took over, took over the reins. And um, some of the, yeah, a lot of the guys, all, most of the guys, everybody still stayed. Lakin, Lakin then came and played for us for a couple of years. Um, but that being a player coach, it, you know, everyone said, oh, it wasn't it hard? Isn't it difficult? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It really wasn't. It was just like being a point guard on the floor, yeah. but you're just being the coach when you're not on the floor. You know, yeah. it's exactly the same thing. Um, I think if you look at somebody like Fab Florno, who's doing it at a higher level, at the BBL level, you know that that's that's hard because you've got to. I guess I guess he might see it the same way as I see it. Maybe he's he's got control of the team. Like there's no if buts or maybes. Like you're the coach, so whatever you say. That that's what you do, you know. Yeah. Everybody does it. As long as you you as a player can still do what you're telling everybody else to do, then there's no argument. You're putting it all out on the floor. Fab he puts it all out on the floor. You know, players feed off of that, and you know they step their game up. I think everybody was doing the same thing. So, you know, it was really it was good. It was a good experience, and I think that's what you know. I always always wanted to coach. You know, from when I was 16, I, I've always loved coaching and teaching. So. You know, it was a natural, a natural thing for me. It wasn't a big deal. It was that your? Big... Was that period with Westminster the first sort of point that the transition to happen started happening for you from yeah, playing to that, coaching? Yeah, the actual transition. Like, there's this kind of things where you're talking about, um, you know, going to scout teams and and actually having to come up with a game plan. 
you know, you know, as, as the point guard, sometimes you just go out there and you can read what's happening in the game and you can make adjustments, but that's for you, you know, that's for you as the point guard, but now you're responsible for the whole team, so you have to, you have to let everybody on the, on the floor, everybody in the team know, um, you know, what it is our game plan is, you know, you have to come up with a strategy um, to beat another team, you have to know what, who their best player is and what, you know, what they do well, what they don't do so well, and you've got to let everybody know that. So, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely an eye-opener from a, from a coaching standpoint. Where, where do you think, uh, what do you credit for your, for your basketball IQ? How much of it do you think was sort of God-given talent, ability? Uh, and how much of it do you think was, you know, I don't know, a certain player taking you under their wing or a certain coach? Like, you know, what would you put it down to? I think, um, I think I've got an ability, a God-given ability to, um, to see something and, 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 and then do it. You know, to learn. I, I, I'm, I think I'm a pretty quick learner. Um, so I'm a visual learner, definitely a visual learner. If I see something once, I can definitely do it. Even if I haven't practiced it, I can definitely do it. Um, so I think that, that has helped me. But then there's been, you know, untold amount of people um, throughout the years um, that have taught me kind of the, the smaller detail. So whether it be, you know, technique, whether it be, you know, what I should be looking for as a point guard or what I should be looking for, you know, as a shooter or, you know, how to shoot the ball, you know, and it's all of those things, a combination of all of those things that kind of mold you into, into a player. You know, the ability to, to see somebody uh, make a move, a good play, and then for you to actually go out and recreate that play in another game or in the same game or, or whatever, you know, that is 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 down to that individual that individual's ability to learn and to uh to execute to learn and to execute it's that individual but you know the stuff that you learn from like coaches and and players um you know that's invaluable you know you you there's just there's so many people that you can say that you know i've taken stuff from and uh, used it as my own and and or changed it a little bit so it's it's, uh, it's a combination of both. It's a combination of both. <clears throat> what uh, what do you think has happened to the what what are your own feelings about the kind of uh, slow death it seems of the pass for pass first point guard? Oh wow! Um, do you think slow... they're a dying breed? Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Like, nobody nobody respects. And, and, and you know what? This can come from um, coaches as well. Nobody can respect or nobody respects that player or gives that player props for coming down and just penetrating and giving somebody a simple pass and hitting him right in his shot pocket so that player hits that jump shot. Nobody, when you, if you watch a scrimmage and somebody does that, they just dribble penetrate and then hit somebody and then somebody hits a good shot. How many people say, that's a great pass. Or how many people clap? Or how many people say, oh, that was nice? Nobody, nobody says that. Nobody says that. It has to be the point guard comes down, dribbles between his legs, <laughs> does it in and out, spin dribble, step back, and then he might pass it. Yeah. And, and, and then it's like, but you've just done 50,000 dribbles before you made that pass. You could have just come down and just soft penetration and make that pass. That's the easiest thing to do. You know, all the other stuff, it can come later, but that, that, that whole, you know, pass first point guard breed um, 
us as coaches have got to give more props to players who can find the open man and, you know, and, and create something, making their teammates better. That was one of the phrases my, my coach used to say in America. He's always talking about making your, te- make your teammates better, make your teammates better, make your teammates better. You know, and if you can find a point guard that can do that, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And then if the point guard can then, on top of that, create his own shot and, and find the opportunities to score, uh, you know, as well, then that's great. That's, you've, you've just got a complete point guard then. You've got a complete point guard. So us as coaches, we've got to give more props or even as, you know, older players, you know, trying to teach or develop a younger player, we've got to, you know, let them know that, you know, the assist is just as important as getting the basket as well. Making your teammates is, is more important or just as important as, as, you know, getting your own shot off, you know. So, you know, not to mention the fact that we don't, we, we got, our kids can't shoot either. the guy's doing a crossover at the top 50,000 times and does a step back and it does a fadeaway and misses you know and he does it again and again and again you know it's it's like you're supposed to be the point guard you know you can't just come down and start jacking up shots because if you do it everybody else is going to do it and then you got you got a team of uh, just jackers so Talking about the kind of flash and, and everything else how much of a of a role do you think uh, sort of summer basketball has had in your career obviously you you were involved in Rough and Ready back in the day. Um, yep. And then obviously Midnight Madness as well. It always seems to be... And you've always had a little bit of uh, sort of razzmatazz to your game. Um, you know, how much of an impact do you think that has had on your, on your playing? I, I don't think my game is... is, is there's, I don't think there's any razzmatazz in my game. No? No, my game is, is quite simple. It's like, if you do something, I'm going to do something... And then I'm either going to score or I'm going to pass it to somebody to score. Now, in between that, there might be a crossover or two, but that's only to get to where I need to get to. It's not, I don't think there's anything flashy about my game. And, it, you know, you, you do get a lot of oohs and ahs. But it's not, there's nothing flashy about my game at all. Um, but in terms of the, the summer stuff, um, yeah, the summer stuff has been... The, the biggest thing about the summer stuff is that you're playing against the best competition. That's, that's where... You know, that's where we grow. That's where, um, you know, that's where, you, you, you know, you're made. You're made by playing against the best competition. And why that's, do you think that you don't get that during the season? Um, well, do you mean because guys come back in the summer or like what? Yeah, I'm talking about back then because back yeah. then I thought the players were a lot tougher back then. And now, you know, if I wanted to scrimmage, I knew where I was going. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I knew where I was going to scrimmage. And it wasn't all in the same place. I was going east, west, north and south. I was going everywhere to go and scrimmage. And I was playing against the best players, east, west, north and south. That was it. So in the summertime, you know, you get guys coming down from Birmingham or Manchester or wherever, and then you got rough and ready, so you got guys coming back from the States, you know, guys that were in college, uh, high school, whatever, and you're playing against, you're playing against the best guys. Now, during the season, you know, it's, it's slight, during the season, it's slightly different because you're, you're just going up, up against teams. Um, and, you know, the teams are going to be the same teams. It's not, you know, you're going to know who's on that team. You're going to prepare it to play against that team. And it's, it's, you know, some teams are going to be good. Some teams are going to push you. Um, and some teams are just not going to be that good. You're going to, some teams you're going to blow out. So, you know, but with rough and ready and, and those types of competition, you know, you have to be you have to be on point. You have to be on point. There's no stepping on the floor. You don't get a second chance. You don't get to play that team twice. 
You know, there's not a league table. There's not yeah. playoffs. It's one and done. You How know, many years did you play in Rough and Ready? Um, I think it was two. I think it was 19, the year I went to the States. No, 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 no. Two, yeah, 99 and 2000. I think, I, I, I can't remember if I played 2001. I can't remember. What, what are your memories of that tournament? Um, my very first, my first, the first tournament we played, the first Rough and Ready, um, I remember playing against, um, I can't remember his name. My memory's going. That's how you know I'm getting old. <laughs> I think his name was Ben. Yeah, his name is Ben. He's from um, Coventry, I think, and I saw him a little while ago. And I remember he was um, he was on the England squad, and um, you know, good good point guard, really physical. And I remember just thinking to myself, I've you know, because we played for England, I've got to. It's kind of like you know, kind of not bragging rights, but you've got to let him know. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm the starting point guard. So I've got. <laughs> You know, I've got to show my thing. And um, Mike Bernard was another one. I remember playing against uh, Mike Bernard as a junior, but seeing him, you know, as he came back, you know, coming from college and he's getting bigger and shooting threes and stuff like that. I remember going up against those guys. And um, I just, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was fun. I just thought everything was fun back then. I mean, that was the biggest thing for me. I think playing basketball was just so much fun. Competing was fun, you know. Competing against the best was fun for me. Um, and then the second year, um, seeing guys, seeing, playing against some of the younger guys, uh, Justin Robinson and, and um, uh, I kind of was, oh, watching Adju and, and uh, Sullivan go at it as well. I think that's when I realized, I was like, man, these guys are, these guys are, these guys are catching up. Yeah. These guys are really catching up real quick. So, yeah. Do you think as, you, as you've gotten older, has the love for the competition or just playing uh, faded at all or...? No, no, I'm I'm still a competitor. I, I, I'm I'm that competitive nature is is still there. Even I don't like to lose. Like I was playing killer today with um, <laughs> some of the younger kids, yeah. and I said to them, I said to them, I goes, I'll buy lunch to the person that wins killer. I'll buy lunch for them. And I, 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 my son was playing. My son's eight years old. He was in front of me. I let him, you know, I let him score a couple of times. And I was like, no, let me just get him out. Let me just get him out. <laughs> just get, get him out of the way. Just get. And I just, you know, just get everybody out of the way. And I still won, and I'm still I'm still a competitor, and I think you know kids need to be competitive. They need to be comp- more competitive, more competitive. Uh, even at a younger age, they need to be more competitive. Well, how do you think um, that can happen? So, how do you think you can make kids more competitive? Um, I don't I don't know. I think it's it's not something you're born with. Because I don't think I was always like that. But I think if you take pride in in what you do, um, and you become good at something. Um, you know, you you want to be the best at it. You just want to, you know, you want to show everybody that you're the best, um, and that's what competing's about. You, you're going up against somebody else, or your team is going up against somebody else. You know, you want to compete. You want to show them you're the best. Now, if you compete and you lose, you know, there's nothing wrong with losing because you know you've you actually left everything out on the floor. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what I can't take is the excuses I can't take um, you know the the not competing those are the two things I can't I can't take not 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 competing and the excuses oh we lost because of no 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 there isn't no there's no because you lost because you didn't play well enough you lost because you didn't play D you lost because you didn't put the ball in the basket whatever the case might be go work on it and then come back and then you will be better than what you was before then you can compete 
do you think that's where, like, if I was to ask you what you think is, or where do you think most kids are going wrong these days, what would you say? I don't, I don't think they take, they don't take pride in what they do. They don't take pride in what they do. They don't take pride in it. They don't, they don't put enough hours in, into what they do. Um, and there's just not, there's just not enough pride. There's just not enough pride in it. Um, it's not about being a, a perfectionist. Um, it's just, it's just wanting to be better. Just wanting that, that, that wanting to be better. You know, if I, if I, I remember, um, shooting with, um, with Malcolm Leap one time at Crystal Palace after training. And he was like, I never missed two in a row. I never miss, and that was his mentality. I'm never going to miss two in a row. Now, he may have missed two in a row a couple of times, you know, but it was the thought that that was his mentality. I'm not going to miss two in a row. And I started to adopt that mentality, but not only with shooting, but with everything. So if I make a mistake once, I'm not going to make that same mistake twice. Yeah. It's just about having that pride and, and, and that passion, the pride and the passion. And, and you know, uh, as I said, if you, if you try your best, but you come up short, you know, there's no shame in that. But it's when you don't try your best and you don't uh, give it everything that you have and, uh, and you come up short, then you, you feel that's, that's, that's failure. That's failure. That's failure. So with Midnight Madness, when you look back, uh, what were some of the highlights that you've had with, with them? Oh, wow. It's funny you said that. I was looking at um, somebody had put up a... NYC a, video. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Taron made, made a comment. He said, he said, every time I watched that, I just wish you had made that free throw. <laughs> I was laughing. Because um, that was, um, I think for me as well, it's, it's, it's that competing, that competitive nature. You're going into a, a, you know, a completely different environment you know, playing against top players in New York and that competitive nature. And it, it's, if you've got confidence, if you practice and you practice and you practice, you're going to have a certain level of confidence. Not arrogance, but you're going to have a certain level of confidence. And I think for me, I, that kind of, for me, it was like, when I went into that tournament, it was like, or those games, not, not just the Midnight Madness stuff, because I think for me, the Midnight Madness tournament itself, I, in my mind... I felt like I was the best point guard in the country. Yeah. So it was like, you know what? I have no reason not to be on that flight to New York. Even when my team lost and we was losing in that semi-final game, because I lost it. I didn't play in the final. I actually lost in the semi-final game. But I actually accumulated enough points through assists and scoring and so on and so on to actually take me through. So when we got to New York, it was like, okay, we're in New York. You know, I'm still, you know, just got out of college not too long ago. So I'm still, you know, when you play against guys in the States, it's like a slight edge, you know. They, it's just everything is slightly quicker, slightly more this, slightly more physical, you know. So you, I, still, I still had that edge. And um, I just felt, I felt at home. I felt comfortable. I felt com comfortable playing out in New York and playing with those guys. And, um, you know, I think playing at West Forth, because I'd been to West Forth before as a kid and, and, and watching those guys play out there. And then, for me, a couple of years later, actually, to play on West Forth, it was like, whoa, yeah. And then playing against Speedy Williams as well. Oh, this is a guy I grew up, um, you know, watching play Summer League for, for the Knicks and, or some, some of the NBA teams and stuff like that. It was like, wow, you know. And so you just, go, you just kind of go on autopilot and you just play. You don't think too much. 
you know, you just play ball and you just let whatever, how, all the hard work that you've done, all the shots that you've taken, all the ball handling drills that you've done, they just take over. They just take over and you just, you just go out and play. So I think watching back that tape brought back a lot of good memories of uh, West Forth. And then we played at Dykeman, another game where, you know, you just kind of take over. And it's not until you watch it on tape afterwards, you're like, whoa, did I do that? That was, that was a nice move, <laughs> you know? And then unfortunately we lost that one. And then we go to uh, Dykeman and then, you know, missing that free throw, you know, it was like, I, I, I think at that point I was like, I know I've spent a lot of hours in the gym and I shot a lot of free throws. And, um, you know, I pride myself on free throws and shooting as it is. That was just the one that I happened to miss. You know, yeah. that was just, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a 90% shooter, that was just that, that was just that 10th one. You know, that 9 out of 10, that was just that 10th one. And it was nothing that was really going to change it. Um, but when I look back at it and I, I reassess it, I didn't hold my follow through. I didn't stay on the line. I knew that the basket was um, slightly closer than it was before. And then even when I got the rebound, I still had time. So, you know, I started to think about, could I have been a bit more composed? You know, and, and, you know, I've hit a lot of game winners in my time. So, you know, and I think those have all attributed to me being able to do that, hitting game winning free throws or hit, hitting game winning shots. Those have all been, uh, those have all helped me with um with my playing so you just have to learn from it and move on i was never going to let it bug me i was never going to i think i let that happen to me once where i i missed a, a free throw i'd done something to to lose us a game and it, it bugged me for years and years and years <laughs> i said that you know what that's never going to happen to me again yeah. that's never happened to me so i just let it go i just let it go what's it what's it been like for you recently over the, over the last few years kind of moving into more of an op- the sort of operational side of midnight madness um yeah. you know obviously going from being you know, formally playing in it to now helping other players take part in it and everything else. Uh, mm. What's that been like for you? I've been, I've been doing it, you know, since probably um, two. So 2005 was in New York. 2006, I didn't go to Chicago. And then uh, 2007, I can't remember if I competed in 2007, but I think from about 2008, I'd probably, you know, really taken on the role. Um, I was doing the coaching stuff. So we used to do clinics before. So I was doing that anyway. Yeah. Um, and then helping with, you know, player recruitment, trying to, you know, get players onto the uh, elite court and stuff like that. So I'd always been doing it, um, but now doing it kind of, um, you know, officially since 2008, I guess, 2007, 2008. Um, and it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's been really, it's been really good. It's been a, an eye-opener from a business standpoint as well. There's a lot of things, you know, that you need to learn. And as you know, you came to St. Kitts with us, and it's not just plain sailing. There's a lot of yeah. things that can happen, and... You know, there's a lot of relationships that you build and a lot of, uh, you know, people that you have to deal with on different levels. And, um, you know, even from a, a player standpoint, you know, trying to, you know, just remind players that this is just a stepping stone for them and, 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 you know, trying to help you to get to the next level. You never know who's watching. That's one of the biggest things that I, I remember as, as a young player as well. My coach saying to me, Paul Ambrose just saying to me, when you go out to the park, what do you practice? And we were showing him what you practice. He goes, but practice like there is some, like you never know who's watching you. It could be a Division One coach watching you. You know, you have to learn how to conduct yourself and carry yourself uh, at all times. You know, be respectful because you never know who's watching you. And, you know, it's the same with Midnight Madness. You never know who's watching. You never know these tapes, uh, videos and stuff, they go viral. You know, it's just another opportunity to give young players um, you know, give them an opportunity to, to, to show what they can do. The other uh, thing I, I wanted to talk about, which we haven't um, touched upon because we've mainly been talking about the seasonal stuff, is, is national teams. Um, mm. So what, what age were you first involved with a national team programme? 
Um, so under <clears throat> under 18s, I played. So I was, I was. I think I played one year. I was 17, and I got my first um, my first England cap playing in uh, the the former uh, Czechoslovakia. Uh, that's where I got my first my first cap, um, and was playing. I was playing with players like uh, Errol Seaman, uh, Marvin Alakatan, uh, uh, another player who I didn't mention before, Kevin Goodman, uh, fantastic player. Um, <laughs> Darren Monroe as uh, a player from Gloucester. Um, I can't remember who else off the top. Panji Great, not no, no Panji Great, uh, Patrice Gordon. Um, that was my first my first cap. Out in uh, oh, Inky uh, Peter, uh, who runs uh, Future Future Stars uh, in uh, in uh, Arizona now. So that was my that was my first cap in Czechoslovakia, and then uh, you know it was really really good playing against European competition, really 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 high level. Um, you were, and, how long did you stay in the team for? Was it like did you go? Cause you played the university game squad as well. Yeah, yeah. So you know we played. Uh, play competitions every year to be honest i can't even remember what kind of competition it was like okay we've got england training camp all right cool and then we're going here to play we're going to play. i couldn't tell you if it was an england championship or european championship i couldn't tell you what it was but i remember we just we would go places and play we'd go to the netherlands or holland and we'd go everywhere and play um it's not like now where you know everybody knows when the european championships are coming up and yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's on TV or everybody's supporting you back home and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, but I do, I do remember playing, um, playing it in some really, really nice arenas, uh, packed out crowds and some fantastic players. Um, and then, yeah, we stayed in that program and then we had the under 20, was it under 21 program, which was coached by uh, Tony Garbaletto. We didn't do much again there. It was just more like, you know, just going out and playing against different um, other nations. We had the four nations tournament with uh, Scotland and Ireland and Wales. Um, we did that a few times. It didn't seem like it was much kind of like organized, like a structured, you know. It was just like exhibition type. Yeah, thing. it was a lot, just a lot of games, you know. I might be wrong, but it was just, to me, it just seemed like a lot of games. Once again... I just I just play basketball. I was enjoying it. Just, you just go and play basketball. You learn, you play. You learn, you play. Um, and then in two thousand and one, um, I yeah I played on the um, the uh, GB uh, World Student University Games. Um, a lot of group players on that on that team as well. Um, uh, Kojo, Eugene, Julius, Raphaelio. Uh, oh, uh, Duncan Ogilvie. Uh, I think Kevin Goodman was on that team as well. Yeah, he was. How did you guys uh, do? Uh, I think we finished like twelfth. Out of how many? Uh, I'll have to check. I'll have to check. I'll have to check. I think it was like twelfth. We didn't. We, I mean, we played. We had um, we had the USA in our pool, so we got beat by like forty. I remember going up against um, shoot, a guy called Lonnie Baxter. He played for the Clippers back in the day. And uh, another point guard out of Seton Hall, can't remember his name. Another point guard from um, another point guard from what's the school that Jermaine Forbes went to? Gonzaga. Yeah. As a what? Dan Dickow. Dan Dickow. Uh went up against him. We got beat by forty. We played against um, Yao Ming, Wang oh. Zhu. Yeah, we got beat by forty. 
<laughs> so we had a really tough pool. We had a really tough pool. Right? We played the Canadians as well. They were pretty good. So we had a really tough pool. So we was never going to win our pool. We got knocked out of our pool. And I think we won a couple of games in the next one. So I think, I can't remember if it was. But there was a lot of teams, though. It was about, I don't know, about 15, 15 to 20 teams, or yeah. something like that. That was about 20 teams. It was like four pools of five. It was about 20, 20 something teams. So, so that yeah, was 2003? That was 2001. 2001. Yeah, that was 2001. Um, and then the next year, 2002, I got my first um, full men's cap. Um, so Coach Laszlo uh, Nemet was the head coach. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he called, he called, uh, called me up. And um, so Ronnie Baker was a starting point guard. Uh, we had a, there was another guy. I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. We had another couple of guys that were playing. And then I think me, Mike, uh, Julius, we got our first, our first international call as well that, 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 that same time. Um, who else was on that team? Delmi Herriman was on that team. Okay. Uh, another good player. Uh, who else? Yeah, I can't remember who else. I can't remember if John Amici, I think John Amici might have been playing in that tournament that we played in. We went to Egypt and we played a tournament out in Egypt. Was this, uh, when the, was this when the program was really had very little budget and you were eating pot noodles and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, I, uh, pot noodles, it wasn't that bad, but um, <laughs> budget, the budget, I remember cramming into a, a, a minibus and we got guys <laughs> like 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". Yeah. And we're, we're cramming into a minibus. And, you know, luckily, this is, that's the time when you're, you're thankful that you're only uh, 5'10". Yes, I'm 5'10". <laughs> no, he's not 5'10". I'm 5'10". The shoes are. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, that's the time that you're thankful that you're five ten. So you know, you know, budget wasn't great. I mean, the year, a couple of years after, we went to we we took a trip to Japan. Um, you know, and we we got taken care of when we got to Japan. We really got taken care of. You know, I don't know if that was them or us, but you know, we had some we had some good tours. Japan. Um, we went to Slovakia. We went to Serbia. Yeah, we did. We did some good stuff. We did some good stuff. We did some good stuff. We do some good stuff. I wanted to ask um, the 2006 Commonwealth Games squad. Yeah. How difficult was that for you to, to not to not make that final squad? Well, we had um, Ronnie Baker was was still playing, and Ronnie's um, you know legend. Like obviously, you know this is the guy that I. This is the reason why I started playing the game. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, was there Fab Flournoy was um, was another guy that you know he was just. Uh, is a guy that you know you have to take, um, and then there was uh, I remember Andrew Bridge, fantastic shooter, young young English player, fantastic shooter. You're not gonna have you're not gonna have enough space to bring two small point guards, and uh, uh, you know it's it's you know you got Junior Williams or you got Randy Baker, you know, and um, I, I didn't play I, I I didn't play well enough. I mean I think I was I was you know a bit bitter and salty at the time. You know uh, Commonwealth, I could have made it. I could have did this. But, you know, as a player now, you're looking back and as a coach, you're like, you know what, you've got a choice to take your veteran point guard. And Jermaine Forbes, Jermaine Forbes is on that team as well. Yeah, of course. So that's, you know, that's that there alone, you know, you know, you've got some, you've got solid veteran point guard and you've got Jermaine Forbes. And then you've got, you know, you've got Fab Florno, he can run the point as well. You had Steve Butner, Steve Butner on that team? Yeah. Yeah, Butner on that team. John Amici was on that team. Yeah. And you had Andrew Bridge, who was a, a flat-out shooter. You had then you had Julius. You had Mike. You know that's a, that's a lot of guys to fight out. That's a lot of guys to fight yeah. out. 
Uh, but I'm proud of those guys. Those guys, you know, those guys, I, was, I was hoping I could just, you know, jump on the plane with them, but just let me just come and just <laughs> watch the game. Let me just watch the games. Yeah. Let me carry some bags or something. But no, no. But it was, um, you know, the, the whole lead up to it and, you know, going out to diff- different tournaments and, and, you know, training like like a real international. You know, we went to Portugal and played and, and uh, worked out out there for a week and, you know, really looking after your body and diet and weight room and doing this every day for a week and you know that was that was real you know that was real so that was um that was a real real good experience for me anyway well a couple more things before we go into the quick fire questions um yep. i wanted to go back to the story we spoke about at the start but then never got back to you was that the eight points in 12 seconds against the towers to oh. to overtime and then a steal and a three at the buzzer what tell, tell me what happened in that game what, what was the story right so let me first by saying this there is so many stories that I can't remember. There are so many, so many good things that people, oh, people come up to me and say, yeah, do you remember that time you did that 360 and you did this? And, it, and do you remember that time you dunked it? And I'd be like, man, did I really, did I do that really? <laughs> anyway, um, but this story, I, I can't remember the, 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 the ins and outs of it a bit, but what I do remember is that we're playing against Towers. Um, and You're we're playing for Brixton. I'm playing for Brixton. Yeah. And Towers are stacked. We're playing at Britannia. Towers are stacked. They got, um, Jonathan, I think Jonathan Lavinia was playing. Um, they had Julian, a guy called Julian Morgan. I think he was playing. Um, they had um, uh, Ron, Ronnie, Ron, Rodney Alexander and Errol Seaman, I think, were playing. Uh, who else did they? They were stacked. They were stacked. They were stacked. They were stacked. And in our team, we had, it was myself. We had Kojo. We had Eugene. I think Dean Williams was playing. Uh, I can't remember who else, but we had a good team. Marvin Addy, I think, was playing as well. Yeah. We had a good team. We had a good team. But we're going back and forth. We're getting beat. We're getting beat. I can't remember how much by, but I do remember. I do remember. I hit a three, and then they go back down the other end. And I remember time's running out. We're less than a minute. I get the ball back again. I come back down, pull up. I hit another three. And then I remember... Going back down again, we come up with the ball. I don't remember how, and then coming back and hitting another three, and then that, I think that sent it into overtime. And then I, I honestly, I can't remember what, what did I, whatever Jack told you because I remember he told me that story and he kept on repeating and repeating. So over the years, it hasn't really diluted. It stayed the same. But I, I remember coming out of that game feeling like, yo, like I just like I hit about five threes in like you know the last minute and just you know going crazy. But yeah. I remember that was a huge game. I remember that was a huge, huge game. Huge game, awesome. a huge game, huge game. But um, um, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of games like that as well. There's been many games like that. So uh, let me just check my notes here. I think that is we've covered most stuff. I mean, the other thing was obviously uh, so after Westminster, more recently, you obviously had a little stint at the London Lions as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so how, how is that you know suiting up in the, in the BBL and? Kind of how did it compare you know to your memories of it when you used to play it? it? It's, it's so funny you say that. I was talking to somebody else today about, about that. And um, we was talking about, you know, when you learn the game and you understand the game, you know how to play the game, it's like, you, it's like riding a bike. You never, really, you, never really, you, know, you never really forget. You don't yeah. really, you're not going to fall off that much. Um, so that year, you know, start off as assistant coach, you know, injuries and, you know, players leaving and whatnot and then having to step back in. I was actually quite excited. I was like, I was ready to go. So I was happy to, I was more than happy um, and I was ready because I was training with them anyway. We just, you know, if we needed numbers, I was always training. 
So I was, it was, it was, it wasn't too bad, and I was, it was good feeling to play at Crystal Palace. It was a good feeling to play in front of a lot of the kids that hadn't seen me play before, kids that I were coaching locally. Um, it was, it, it was good. It was good, and it, it didn't feel. I think I wasn't as quick. You know, every year you just get slower and slower. But you, what you lose in quickness, you kind of make up with um, your kind of smarts, your basketball IQ and stuff like that. So I was still able to make, make some good plays, you know, I was still able to make some good plays. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, I was happy to, to, I'll be happy to be playing. I was happy to be playing. When you, when you look at the BBL now, does it make you sad when you think about kind of where it is now compared to where it has been in the past or, I mean, how, yeah, a little, how would you, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, because, um, I remember back in, you know, not like 98, 99, and maybe even before that, um, you know, people saying, you know, how good the league is and it's going to get better and so on and so forth. And then I remember going to the States and coming back and, um, you know, it, it, it not being quite where it was. Um, you know, now in 2003, 2004, there were still a lot of good players like Terrell Myers was, was um, oh, no, Terrell Myers, I think was gone then. Uh, who's in the league then? Rob Yanders was in the league. We had Terence McGee in the league. We had still quite a few, you know, good players in the league, but none of them really compared to the players that that played back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in in the in the you know early nineties or late nineties. So yes, and then to see things just continually, just you know, the crowd. I think for me, it's it's the crowd numbers. It's sad to go into a gym and the crowd numbers are down. Um, that that's that's the saddest thing for me, and then also just not to see it on TV, um, you know, no highlights, no, not even a write up in the paper, no pictures, no nothing. So, you know, yeah. people won't even know who's who. You know, yeah. in the BPR, people won't even know who's who. And I think for me, that's the saddest thing is is not not the recognition for the players or the clubs on TV or in papers or. I remember we used to get teletext. <laughs> yeah, teletext. Yeah, teletext. Well, teletext. I see my name on teletext. I was hyped. What? You know, you made it. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, you can't get it anywhere. Yeah. You can't get it anywhere. You know. So it's um. Uh, when I say anywhere, I'm talking about just like the the general media type yeah. thing. You know, it's, it's difficult. So for me, that that's the saddest part. That's the saddest part that the clubs and the players are not getting the recognition that they deserve. So. Uh... I'm conscious that we've, we've spoken a lot about the past, and I just wanted to give people an update on kind of what you're doing now. So, what are you doing now for those that don't know? Okay, so um, let me I've jumped back a little bit onto the coaching point. Yeah. So, so since I I was coaching at um, Westminster, I was also doing things like the regional teams, like the under 17s regional stuff. Yep. I was I did a little bit with um, the England under 16s. And the under 18s a little bit under, but just a little bit, you know, just going to their training camps and stuff and picking up stuff. And um, I, I want to get back into it, but I think my heart now is pulling me towards just like the development stuff, and just just working with kids who who are just learning the game and just teaching them the teaching them the fundamentals. That's that's where my heart is pulling me. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to get back into doing that national team stuff. Um, and the BBO, I'd like to do it all, but my time, you know, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do everything. And um, I'm just going to have to make a decision on what I want to do and when I want to do it. And then maybe, you know, hopefully I can be able to bounce around. But, you know, obviously did the coaching stuff with, with the Lions. 
and um, you know, kind of taking a step back from that now, just to kind of concentrate on what I'm doing um, down at the Regal and um, Reach and Teach Basketball Center, which we've named it down at the at the Black Prince Trust. So that's what I'm that's what I'm kind of focusing on now, and and I've got my my own little club there, the Kennington Generals, and I love I just love coaching young young people. I just love watching them just get better every day and you know i just like to see i just waiting for the next the next whoever yeah. you know every day i see i see kids come in and i'm looking at how this kid plays and i can't wait to see what they're going to be like in the next you know five six seven eight nine years time and i'm i'm trying to give them little gems um hoping that they can pick up something like how i picked up little things from whether it be Ronnie, Steady, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy Rogers, whoever, whoever, just want them to pick up little gems. Um, and it could be one thing I say, one thing I do, one thing I show them, but I just try to show them as much as I can and talk to them as much as I can. So I think really that's, that's where my heart is right now in terms of coaching. Um, and continue with Midnight Madness in the summer. Yeah. So, um, Midnight Madness is, is, uh, yeah, is always going to be there and it's, uh, it's a it's a fantastic event, and uh, I'm not just saying that because <laughs> I'm helping organise it, but it really is, and it's um, it's it's something for the young people, obviously, just to, to give back to them, and and uh, you know, uh, I don't know, it, it's the whole the whole thing about building up to that finals night, and then you know, then going away, uh, you know, is 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 really just rewarding, I think, at the end of it. And knowing that everybody's had a good time and they've played, and um, you know they've got to meet new people, make new friends. Some people may have got a contract from it. Some people may have got scholarships from it. You know, it's just good to. to it's a good feeling to give back. So, um, yeah, midnight is going to be definite for for me for life. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, right? So we're going to move on to the quick fire questions. Right. Um, just um, I mean, the questions are short. Obviously, your answer could be as long as or as short as you want it to be. Right. Uh, starting with. Um, the highlight of your career? Ooh, I think the highlight I think was um, uh, making the England under-18s team. Um, simply because I had played playing one year at Brixton before and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of good players around the country. Um, so I, I just felt like, for me, I felt like I'd really achieve something I think that was for me that was one of the biggest highlights one of the biggest highlights yeah career low like the, the hardest moment of your career um I think probably I think uh, I think probably not making the Commonwealth was probably probably the one that hurt the most probably yeah yeah best play yeah. you've ever played against the best player I ever played against. Wow, there's too many to mention, man. There's too many to mention. Oh, wow. I think, I think I will have to go with. Um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Terrell Myers. Okay. Best player you've ever coached. The best player I've ever coached. Jeez. Wow. Um. At what level does? What do you mean, coach? Do you mean? Like coach a game or coach from a certain age or yeah, I mean like a coach that a player that kind of you've coached in your program, your team. 
could be a regional team or a national team as well, like, I guess. Okay, okay. That's a tough one. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with... Oh, man. Do you know what? I'm going to go with... Um, You're killing me. <laughs> killing me. Can we pass? Can we come back to that one? Let's come back to that okay, one. Okay, we'll come back to it. Um, the best individual performance you've ever seen. That can either be in a game that you're playing in or it can just be a game that you've... Not on TV, but I mean a game that you've watched in person. Mm. I, I was at a scrimmage. <laughs> no, we were scrimmaging at... Um, we was in New Jersey... And we were playing against um, some guys who had just come from an ABCD camp, I think. And that was like the biggest thing back then. And um, we, I think we were scrimmage against him. And I think um, Kojo Mensa Bonsu, he, 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 he really put on a show right then. And then another one, I'm going to give you one more. There was a kid called Lafonte, I think his name was Lafonte Ellis, I think his name was. Quick point guard. And I've seen him pull some moves. At, this was at um, ACC camp. And I saw this guy pull some moves that I'd never seen. Like, we, everybody afterwards was, like, trying to figure out what he did. And he went on to play. I think he went on to play for um, UNLV, I think. But he was, he was a phenomenal player. He's probably one of the best performances I've seen from a player. This one's yeah. courtesy of Greg Tanner. What happened when you tried to guard Iverson at Brixton in 97? <laughs> um... Tried to guide Iverson. I locked him up. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, um, no, Iverson, I swear, he, he, his first step was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I remember um, he, he like did something in his first step. And, you know, me being a competitor, I fouled the out of him. I just I slapped him on his hand and um, I grabbed his arm. And I looked at his arm and I just saw bling, 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 bling. He just had, had this bracelet and it was just blinging. And he was cool about it. He was all right. But he knew, he, then he knew. He was like, yo, this kid ain't going to be no pushover. So he started to play a bit harder. But I did score on him, though. I did score. He beat me 3-1. He beat me 3-1. He beat me 3-1. If you could change one thing about British basketball, what would it be? Oh, man. What would it be? If I could change one thing about British basketball, I would, I, I would uh, actually, I don't know. It would be it would be around um, the promotion of clubs. It would be about pushing uh, the promotion of clubs and pushing the promotions of, of players, and you know, just getting the media behind it. Um, I think that's that's the angle that I would I would I would take. But it would, it would have to come from clubs, making clubs, making it kind of like making it mandatory for them to, to do things with like the local media and, 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 you know, getting it out there and newspapers and stuff like that. Because I think that would help the game grow. That would help the game grow. The uh, best Midnight Madness moment you've been a part of? Um, there's two. Um, uh, watching Buster Rhymes. Actually, it's three. Watching Buster Rhymes. Watching um, the guy that did the uh, Mig- migraine skank. I can't remember his name. Uh, migraine skank. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Him, him. I can't remember his I name, but he was a nice, nice guy. And um, everybody came out onto the court. Crystal Palace was doing the migraine skank. 
that and then um, that whole 2005 playing in New York experience was unbelievable. So you got three. Who's been your uh, kind of biggest rival, competitor, nemesis throughout your career? Is there a particular person that you've had a, a lot of battles against or anything else? Um, I think there's, there's, there's different eras. There's different eras. So I think my younger era, uh, when I was coming up, just starting playing for Brixton, um, there's two point guards, Marvin Alakatan and another guy called... Uh, um, oh, my brain is gone. Um... Another point guard from East London, from, from Towers. Steve, no, not Stephen, I can't remember his name. It will come to me in a minute. Okay. But those two as my junior career. In my senior career, um, guys, I played... Uh, mm, I, I didn't really see anybody. There was nobody that I didn't get along with and that it was like, you know, hardcore competition. But everybody that I played against, it was like, you know, you have to go hard. So they, I couldn't put an individual, there's not an individual who I could say in my senior career that, you know, was a problem. I, I could play against anybody, so it wasn't a problem playing against anybody, but um, I think some of the American guys that were playing, you know, like Terrell Myers and Danny Lewis and those guys, those those were, you know, those were real guys who you had to go hard against. So those, those were hard players to play against. Robbie Anders was another one. He was a hard player to play against. All of the quick guards, like short quick guards, I found them hard to play against. If you were a bit bigger, so if they were like 6'1", six, 6'2", six, you know, it wasn't so bad. But the guys that are like same height as me or short, if, they, if I saw a player shorter than me, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> it's going to be a long night. The, uh, the top, top um, under-18 prospect coming through right now for you? Under-18? Mm-hmm. <sighs> um... I think um, well, you got Mo Salade. I'm quite sure how old he is. Yeah, he, he, he is he's doing, a little bit older. Yeah, a little bit older. Right, but he's doing he's doing good things. I like what he's doing, playing in Spain and stuff. Um, and then a little bit younger, I would say somebody like Carl Wheatle. Carl Wheatle, I really like. And another player who I really like, and probably won't see his name up there because he's a player that does a little bit of everything. I've seen him, I've watched him play for a long time, and he's. You know, he's not your, you know, stereotype of a, you know, a small forward, athletic, jump out the gym. But he gets the job done, and it's a kid called RJ Eitel. Yeah, I know. Uh, RJ Eitel rocks. He, he's, he's. A, I like what he does because he can do a bit of everything, and he, he's on an England team. Every England team he's played on, he's got minutes. He's been one of the youngest players, and he's getting minutes, and he's, he's stepping up his game all the time. So him and him and Carl Wheatle, I, I really like. Um, yeah, probably probably those two. Probably okay. those two. Right, going back to the best player you've ever coached question. Oh, snap. Um, best player I've ever coached. Best player I've ever coached. Well, give me a couple of names if you can't pick one. Uh, I'll give you a couple of names. Um, so, obviously, I've done some coaching with Midnight Madness. We've gone out to... Uh, we've gone out to... Um, K54... So I've got to throw out guys like um, Justin Robinson, Ogo, Matthew Bryant, uh, those three. I like those three young guys. Not just because they're only they're Brixton guys as well, but just you know their 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 work ethic and their 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 ability, what they can do, and they go so hard. They go so hard. 
they go so hard um, all the time, all the time. Those three, I, I would probably, and I, I think I coached Justin when he was younger as well, when he was at regional, at regional level. Um, and then if I go back to kind of like even some of my Kennerton guys, um, I've got a kid called, um, he's not a kid anymore, he's 20, but a kid called Jules, Jules Loof. He's like one of the guys that, you know, I can say, you know what, I coached this kid like from the beginning to what he is now. Great shooter, great ball handler. He's never quite broken into like any kind of Division One or got a scholarship, but, you know, really good kid, hard worker. And then Ed Lucas is another one as well. Watching Ed, watching Ed Lucas play is like, he's like a throwback, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, real steady. So I like, I like him as well. I think I think Ed would be probably be maybe maybe number one. Okay, uh, and in fact, two more. So the first one is, if you could suggest one person for me to interview on the podcast to shed more light on their story, someone from British basketball, who would mm. it be? Um. So I'd I'd go. One, I would go. Um, Paul Ambrosius, okay. who was uh, my junior basketball coach, because he could remember, you know, what it was like coaching like real tough, good players, high IQ, you know, and what basketball was like back then. I think you get a really good insight of what basketball was like back then. Somebody like Jimmy Rogers, also somebody like Steve Alexander, who could give you an insight on on because Steve Steve Alexander has been that guy who he started his own club. Um, you know, from local league to national league, and he's actually seen and been part of all of these different clubs growing. So when we, when I was talking earlier about going from you know four or five mainstream clubs in London to now having maybe ten or fifteen, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, he would give you a great insight into that as well. And then I would give you let me give you one more. I think somebody like um, somebody you know, some obscure names that you probably never heard of, like um, um, Steve Hansel from up in Birmingham, another, yeah, yeah. another, another guy who I played growing up, watch, like played against him, and he was playing BBL before me. He was playing BBL from like, like 17, you know, and then he, I think he went to the States, played Ohio, I think, Ohio or something, Ohio, Ohio State, I can't remember. I played big time Division One, and then went off and played in Italy. That's another good guy, another good guy to speak to. Awesome. I think that. So, final question: What do you yep. want your legacy to be? Um, just I just want it to be something of um, where people can say, you know what, he's a good guy. Um, you know, he's got time for for the kids. I think that I think that's the main thing. He's he's a good guy, and he's got time for the kids. It's somebody that's. Um, you know, that's going to be honest with you. He's not going to give you no, no BS. He's not going to lie to you. He's going to tell you how it is. Uh, if you don't like it, then don't talk to him. <laughs> um, you know, if you're not going to like what he's going to hear, don't talk to him. But somebody's going to be honest with you and that's got time for the kids. That's, that's, that's the main thing for me. It's got time for the kids. Perfect. Thank you so much, Junior. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. And, no uh, problem. No doubt no. I'll see you soon. Yep, yeah, thank you. And uh, keep up the hard work because, uh, you know, as I said before, I think for me... Um, you know, having all the media coverage on, you know, whether it be former players, players, current players, um, clubs, we need more of it. We need to know who the players are. We need to know who the who the clubs are, you know, who the guys that are doing good things. And we need to keep keep promoting it, keep promoting it. So keep up the hard work, sir. 
You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.